life is both long and boring and at the same time brief and brutal. At its worst, you can't wait for it to end. You just can't wait to die. But at its best, you never want it to end. The hard parts always feel like they last for an eternity. And then the good parts just fly right by. Why? Why is it like that? Why? Sometimes you just need something to fucking, you know, get the load off, like get out of your own head. Have something to listen to, you know, something to keep you company, something to keep your overtaxed mind occupied on something nice. And that something is this show. Welcome to That Thing with James. I'm your host, James. If you're new to the show, welcome. The topic above of this show changes from week to week. It's just a, like a, I'll, I'll have different guests. We'll, I, 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 I especially love just talking to people, just having conversations, getting to know people. Um, but I'm also interested in all sorts of different topics. So if you're interested in just hearing conversations, learning about people, and maybe just learning about different topics that I might be interested in any given week, um, Tune in, stick around, subscribe if you haven't already. And for those of you who have been around for a while and have not yet become patrons at Patreon, come on, it's only five bucks a month for starters. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. And for five bucks a month, you can get a bonus episode, one bonus episode every week, but also access to all of the previously recorded and released bonus episodes. And then there's different tiers which with different benefits. I can give you shout-outs, verbal shout-outs on air. You could be fucking famous like everyone. Everyone would know your, your username if you want to put your username out. I don't want to dox anyone. Come on, come on. I can do, uh, I, even, I even have a, a tier where I will myself, handwrite and mail to you a thank you letter and I'll make it good. It's not just going to be like, thank you or something. If you've been around, you know, I'm a chatty guy. So that does not change when it comes to the written word. I will write you a handwritten letter. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Show your support for the show. Uh, as usual, rest of the business, um, you can find me on social media. My handle is at James J. Asher. Um, if you have a suggestion for a story or subject you would like me to cover on the show, uh, if you are in need of advice, even if it's a topic I know nothing about, I will do my best to give you both good and bad advice and keep you anonymous. Uh, or if you have a business inquiry or just want to say nice things, send me an email at that thing with James. And if the files on your computer and or phone are just bursting with shitty memes, post them on my subreddit r slash that thing with James. Now that the business is done, I'm very excited to announce that in this episode, I complete the circle of interviewing hosts of one of my favorite podcasts. The podcast is called Radio Free Tote Bag. It is a relationship advice show. Um, in episode 100, in the bonus episode that I recorded directly after recording episode 100, I got to interview Audrey. That would be one half of RFTB. And in this episode, I get to interview the second half of RFTB. That's right. If you are familiar with the show, that's that name that I'm not saying. It, 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 well, I'm going to say it now. Donovan. I, I interviewed Donovan. All right. And it was a good talk. He's a sweet guy. And you know what? Let's just get right to it. Here's the interview. All right. Here we go. Welcome to the show. 
who are you and what are you doing here? I'm Donovan, <laughs> one half of the hit dating and relationship advice podcast, Radio Free Tope. Woohoo! Oh, and we're doing that. So, see in there too. <laughs> the circle is complete. I got to interview your co host, and now I'm getting to interview you. How does it feel? I'm glad to be going second. It's yeah. It's nice to be able to like, oh, okay, we're doing a show. I can watch Audrey do her her thing on this, get a sense of what's going on. Because we haven't done much video stuff yet. Were you nervous? Not not too much, but going into guest spots, sometimes I'm like, I'm so used to kind of sitting down at the desk to record our show, and uh -huh. it's more or less the same structure every week. Right. So it's kind of like, all right, throw me in the seat and I'll go. But going to somebody else's show before and I have to think, I'm like, you know, do I know how to act on a camera? Do I, <laughs> do I know how to answer questions about myself, not about other people or people asking me a question about themselves? You know what right. I'm saying? The yeah. The tables have turned. <laughs> oh, the tables have turned. And, and yeah, the video element, what do you do with your hands? Hold them up here, put them down. Who knows? Drink the seltzer the entire time with my hand. Drink the seltzer. It's always good to have something to do with your hands. If you don't know what to do with them, hold shit. Just looking around for objects that I could I could grasp in here. Yeah. There's actors whose entire careers are based entirely on them holding shit. Like a like a prop situation? Like they're, yeah. they're prop expertise kind of thing? Yeah. So I, I studied acting, specifically Meisner technique, and one of the, it's not like prop acting, but yeah. um, one of the keys to the, to the technique is to have something to do uh, in the scene, like physically do, like something you can complete within the span of time from the beginning yeah. and the end of the scene. Like say if you're, for example, playing Jenga, or something and the trick is to just get you out of your head so you're focused more in the moment and then you can't like overthink and then act bad you know what i mean that makes total sense that, oh yeah as somebody with anxiety that's something i uh i do as like a coping mechanism sometimes if i find my like mind going out too wild if you find like a straightforward task you could complete or something you're doing at the same time as like, I don't know, waiting for a phone call, but like talking on a long call or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like it's like a, a different part of my brain that's occupied. If I have that doing its thing, then it's like, it's not gonna be bothering my thinking part of my brain or whatever. It's very interesting. Exactly, it's, like it's like you have an overflow of energy and I've got anxiety too, so it'll go into the spiral and the shaky hands. I don't know if you get, yeah. I get oh, shaky yeah. hands real bad. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, like having a goal you can do like in the immediate time and space definitely gets you out of your head and more like uh, in the world. You know what I mean? Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, so I love RFTB. It's a great show. Thank you. Uh, I, I think you two give very good advice. Not going to lie. I think it's uh, sound advice. Did you like go to school for couples counseling or anything like that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have my degree in psychology, but I can't pretend that that informs a whole lot of it outside of just kind of like general concepts and interest of my own experience with like anxiety and stuff, because mm -hmm. that all plays in. Uh, but like I was doing social psych stuff. Uh, I was doing studies on how people react to targeted advertising specifically oh yeah more like uh, kind of like group psychology uh type of thing really not anything to do with uh i don't know what you think about like the abnormal psych not so much mm -hmm. not so much on the relationship stuff uh yeah we're we're 100 percent not experts but we both just really like talking about this stuff and i know audrey's the same way i think both of us had just had a pretty wide past range of experiences some of those being really really shitty and really unpleasant to be in and when you got the anxiety and depression on top of that it's just such a 
fucking shitty lonely place to be Mm -hmm. and uh you know with my friends i I always like talking to people about that stuff because it's this common thing you know i've been through some stuff and to be able to help somebody where they're in that dark place or give them any sort of like hey you're not alone in this that makes me feel really good that is like something i care a whole lot about because it's such a shitty place to be it is and yeah you do feel so alone and yeah it is nice to know that you're not alone and that you're not the first person to go through hell for sure because it's uh you know any relationship i think they could be so much more complex than you would expect especially early on getting into dating you're like oh we go on a couple dates and then we're boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's like where to even begin with the structure like people might want completely different structures of relationships or they like see your day-to-day as like a totally different thing and uh past experiences affect that you just have this whole like kind of messy web that's hard to keep track of and uh i also think just talking about that stuff and getting it out there and hearing from people's similar experiences you start to kind of find like the common threads and all of these situations that when you're in them might just be totally overwhelming you start to be like oh wait like this reminds me of like this kind of codependent situation that was happening over here was my relationship codependent oh shit i think it was in the past yeah. what can i learn out of that like how can i avoid that situation again because that wasn't good that kind of thing what what are like some of the most common patterns of like problems you and audrey see um from the people who who reach out to you or stories you find for RFTB, are, are there like really, are, do you see like really dominant patterns happening in people's lives? The big one I think is first time experiences uh, mm. across the board. First time having sex, first time doing like a, a sex thing that's different than what you usually do. First relationship, first date. And I think again, all of those things, like the common thread through them is if you keep that shit inside, you just start spiraling. It's like, oh, there's so many like things to worry about and stuff. And oh, am I weird for like wanting to do this this way? When again, like I think so much of that stuff is common to people. They're on some sort of spectrum with whatever uh, element or relationships you're looking at. Um, but so a lot of that, even first breakups, like I guess oh, first yeah. doing some kind of move in a relationship context that you haven't done before, like moving in together for the first time is, is another big one. Uh, just a lot of people were kind of like, I, I, I think I want to do this, you know? Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Or like maybe my partner's on the fence. I, I think it's a lot of that, that, that people come for. Cause again, I think you just kind of want to know this isn't a like crazy thing. You know, you're not weird for feeling this way. Other people have been through this too. Like it, it's okay. What's like, um, if, if there were like a magic key to helping people have like more functional relationships, is there like one key piece of advice you could think of? This is probably biased towards how my own brain works, but mm-hmm. I've, I've found other people kind of with this situation uh, are finding help from this. But I, I've been talking on recent episodes in a question last week, somebody talking about forgiveness in the context of field relationships or, or, or trauma. And they were talking about like uh, kind of all across the board from, you know, do I forgive the other person to like forgiving myself? And uh, that's something that that forgiveness of yourself is something that I've been on a lot recently. Uh, As I mentioned before with the anxiety stuff, and and you said, there's that spiral element to it, right? Oh, yes. You start feeling bad and you're like, something's wrong. So your anxious mind starts spooling up and then Mm -hmm. that's making your body freak out because you're like, something bad's going to happen. And then that makes it spool up even more. And uh I was talking to somebody about this last night. I feel like there's kind of like three steps through this process of like recognizing the anxiety. There's this first one where that spiral happens and you don't even realize and you just get sucked down until it gets as bad as it possibly can get. Right. At a certain point, you start recognizing that that spiral happens, but you don't know how to change it. You just know that it sucks. And so it happens and you recognize it. And then maybe you beat yourself up for letting it happen or you try to force it to not happen. Like, I'm going to get really drunk and then stop it or whatever, like bandage you're trying to slap on it. Uh, But the kind of place I've been at it now, 
where I feel like I'm able to bounce back quicker and not spiral so hard. And this plays into the relationships too. Uh, but it's just taking that moment, catching yourself and not being like, you fucked up or, oh, this just keeps happening. But just thinking like, this happens, you know, it's okay. It's not a failure on my part. I'm just going to sit here and like sit with the bad feelings for a little bit, let myself know that it's okay. And then just try to keep moving in a more positive direction. And when it crops back up, you just keep kind of doing that same thing. Like a, a gentle touch with yourself is what I'm getting at. That's like uh, mindfulness. If a thought or a feeling pops up, acknowledge it and then let it pass by. Like I say, like a cloud going past the window. Yeah. I think of a leaf floating on a river. I always got a picture in my head. I'm sitting next to a river. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm very into that uh, as well. I've been doing meditation for quite some time and, and started doing the yoga recently. Uh, you asked about with the relationships, though. I know Audrey mentioned this uh, when she was on. People have different views on this, but I think we're both of a pretty close mind of like, take care of your internal stuff as best you can before mm. trying to get into that relationship. Try to know yourself as best you can and just be able to be okay on your own. Because yeah. then when something comes up in that relationship, when that spiral comes up, like you have all the techniques kind of ready to deal with that. You know, you know where you want to be. You're able to communicate stuff more easily. Uh, so just... It's a little counterintuitive, but like by putting the work into just kind of yourself more so than I need to find somebody, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Like you, would you agree? Like I always say you need to, you have to learn how to love yourself before you can truly know how to love another. A hundred percent. I feel that too. And it comes to that forgiveness stuff, too, because like when you're in that mindset, I think you tend to be less harsh on other people. And that's relationships in general, but especially an intimate one when you're around a person a lot, you're living together and there's like, you know, the little irritations that'll come up or clashes or whatever. If you're on those good terms with yourself, I think it's easier to be like, this person's not like doing this to fuck with me or something. They're not trying to be a hassle. They just got their own stuff going on, too. Maybe right. they're having an anxious day, you know? Right. Empathy they, is cool. That's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, uh, what's your uh, relationship history like? An interesting one. I've gone through like some, some pretty big phases with it. Uh, I didn't start, I guess I, my first girlfriend, my first kiss and lost my virginity within about three months when I was 15. Oh, after being raised very Catholic getting confirmed and like in kind of those mid teenage years being like, yeah, I think I'm into Catholicism. I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, I'm Catholic too. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, We've both got the damage. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll send our father your way later. Maybe a couple hail, hail Marys. Who, who knows? Uh, Thank you. <laughs> but no, so I, I kind of got dropped into it fucking hard and was like raised, you know, went to went to Catholic schools. And so had a pretty, I would say, oh. outdated view of relationships and like sexuality and all of that as very uh, a lot of ang anxiety and shame around that. But so I was just dropped headlong into this thing. And I was like, wait a second, this is pretty great. <laughs> the, the sex element and all of this stuff, this this is all great maybe the Catholicism's not so great. And then I kind of went head first into that. Uh, that part was when I was out of the country too, at the first half of high school. And then I came back having had that experience in high school, uh, junior and senior year then. And despite being like, I would say a, a somewhat obnoxious teenager, more obnoxious than usual, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a decent amount of attention from from women, and uh, had a, had a couple like shorter high school type relationships and, and, and some hookup situations, uh, but a lot of like going out with different people. I feel like that is probably my first experience with like what dating is like. Going, I don't know this person. We got to make some conversation and see if there's anything there. You yeah. Know? Where'd you grow up? Uh, it's a hard question to answer. I, I moved every three years growing up. I've lived uh, 
I've lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, where Audrey is five different times. Uh, we went to OSU together, so I lived in Columbus for a bit. Uh, when I was staying out of the country, I was in Venezuela for eighth to 10th grade. I was in Arkansas for grade school. I was in LA out of college and then Nashville and then Portland. And now I'm in Chicago. Oh my goodness. How long have you been in I, uh, Chicago? I had a moving. I just hit a year. Uh, I moved here like in the middle of the damn pandemic. Oh shit. Cause my, my next question was going to be, how do you like it? <laughs> it's very good. I, uh, I, even with stuff closed, I, I've been lucky. I've got friends here, and one of my sisters lives here. And, nice. Uh, I'm able to do outside stuff. I'm a backyard for the first time, so I'm able to like barbecue nice. and shit sometimes. Uh, but you can take the train places, and everything's flat, so it's easy to bike around. And uh, it's not crushingly expensive in the way that like New York or LA is. Oh yeah. I give it a thumbs up. Also, a big lake. Are you kidding me? Look, it's oh, yeah. like the ocean. You can't see the other side. And I fucking love Chicago so much. And back in 2012, I was very close. I was like torn between moving to Chicago or Austin because I was I, I just finished grad school. I studied theater, uh, specifically acting, and I was like, I wanna I wanna do this for a living, but. I, I knowing myself, I'll just like fall flat on my face if I go to New York or LA because I don't fucking know anyone there, you know? And I hadn't been, like, I, I, I moved around a bit growing up too. So I'd been to New York a shit ton in the 90s, but um, I, I didn't know anyone there. So I was like, all right, what's like a sort of a halfway kind of thing where I can just like meet some people and get the ball rolling. And then after a few years, like move out. Cause it's, you know, it's going to work out that way. Right. Yeah. I ended up going to Austin because I was like, you know, there's film stuff there. I know Chicago's more like theater and comedy. So I ended up going to Austin and staying there for like eight years and the whole time yeah. thinking like, I wonder what it would have been like if I'd gone to Chicago. Because I got a lot of friends there. <laughs> I regret not moving there often. <laughs> it's a good place. I, I appreciate a city that's like dense enough that you can walk around and like not have a car. Yeah. Good public transit and all that. And it's got that. I, I appreciate that. How's uh how's winter? See, where were you where were you where were you living before Chicago? So Portland before this. In okay. Nashville for like four years before that. It was like my longest time in one place recently. But uh, in LA before that. So all very mild or non-existent winters. I was exactly. not prepared. And so, uh, wait. So when you say you were not prepared, did you even have a fucking coat? I had like a light coat and um, some leather gloves. <laughs> I had wool oh socks. I put pajama pants on under my jeans. <laughs> and I was going to all my friends and I was like, I'm fucking miserable. And they're like, just get a bigger coat. <laughs> There's a clear answer to this problem. You need to get actual winter clothes. So like oh, in yeah. the middle of it, when there were these huge mounds of snow on the side of the street, it's like three weeks straight. It was fucking crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, I got, I got mittens. I got this big, like boxy Remember that Kanye West and little pump video where they're in the little box. Yeah. around. I look like that shit. <laughs> it looks real goofy. I got a hat and, uh, yeah, now I'm kind of prepared. By the end of it, I was like, "This fucking sucks," but like, I, I can deal with this. I, mm -hmm. I'm better than the heat in my mind. Yeah, because you can always add layers with the heat. You can't. Well, I mean, you could remove layers; it just wouldn't feel good. Once I'm naked running around, that's as far as we could go, unless I make like an ice suit, like some kind of superhero <laughs> made out of ice cubes. It keeps me keeps me cool. I can make a blazer out of those like ice packs, like the ones with like the blue gel you put yeah. in your freezer. Yeah, that would only last so long, though. But you'd look yeah. pretty fly, and you'd be so cooled off while you were wearing that thing. Literally, everyone would have to call you the cool guy, <laughs> Mister Freeze. <laughs> oh, if you touch your drink to me, uh, it'll cool it down slightly. <laughs> this thing don't last very long. Get over here. <laughs> That's what I say to him. Uh, so, uh, see, so went to college at Ohio State. 
when you studied psychology and uh what did you have a minor no (laughs) no just psychology i did an undergraduate thesis on a targeted advertising stuff i was talking about and that Mm -hmm. was like extra classes and stuff so it's kind of like you could do a minor or do that at least in the situation i was in i like finished early too as a whole thing had a bunch of ap credits oh nice going in oh yeah that's the way did you do any like uh concurrent enrollment did they have that at your school like while you're still in high school or something yeah because i like knocked out nine hours before college like while i was still in high school just doing concurrent and i was just getting like you know your required stuff out of the way i think i think the ap classes were like that like i took ap stats and so i didn't have to take like the intro stats class or whatever it was that kind of thing right on did you get like did you get credit hours out of it yeah i got oh, a whole right year worth of credit hours so I, I was only in college for like three years oh how was college how was that experience big thumbs up yeah i can't remember if audrey mentioned when she was on here uh but she was big on djing when mm-hmm. we were uh, when we were at school like a lot of electro and house stuff surprisingly good like dance music scene in columbus uh at least at the time, like less so now, obviously with the pandemic, but mm. it's still been going up until uh, right before that. There's a lot of like warehouse parties and uh, like kind of underground, but popular DJs will like come through there pretty frequently because there's a good amount of like venues and a scene in that area. Nice. Uh, and I've always been an electronic music person. I, I heard a Royksop song in the PS2 game SSX3. Oh, yeah. A song called Poor Lino that still bangs it's so good and i was like i was like tan i was like this I, this makes me want to do something I, I i was no good at dancing for so long I, it wasn't even something that would like occur to me but i was like this makes me want to move this is good and uh got kind of into that more as time went on but then in college like being able to be a part of like a scene with that and like going to you know these warehouse parties and you get to dance with the same people like you're, you're seeing uh there's a big group of people who goes it's like a very accepting community I was like, this is great. Like being able to do that, like most weekends, go to some form of show, hang out with the, my friends, and, you know, see Audrey when she was performing. That's great. Man, I'm so jealous. I would love to have had that. I went to school in Oklahoma. I'm living in Oklahoma now. Not uh, so much of that. I don't, I don't know that they know what house music is. <laughs> and now you're living in the birthplace of house music. Yeah. Hell yeah. I haven't gotten to check out much here yet. Uh, but I have some friends who moved up here who are doing like event booking type stuff. Uh, and they're really into that stuff too. So they're doing, nice. doing booking for like house show kind of stuff. So hopefully, hopefully there's some kind of improvement in the uh, state of the world, but we'll see on that. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, fucking sick. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you all right? <laughs> these fuckers are so bubbly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so how did you, how did, I know I asked, Audrey, but I'm going to do a little cross-examination here. I'm going to find the veracity of these claims. We got to test them. How did you and Audrey meet? Okay. Her recollection uh, was a little different than mine Hmm. when when she told the story. Because she brought up specifically this Halloween party where she DJed and I was the Jager bomber and I kept doing Jager bombs with people and I blacked out and passed out at like 11 p.m. or something some shit i was a mess uh no uh our, so we have a mutual friend who was living in the dorms that i was in when i started college and his girlfriend and they've been together since high school another married they've been together for like 12 years wild uh but she was a little bit older than us and audrey's a couple years older than me and so they were taking classes together and had like made friends and so i know she brought audrey around a couple times but it was just in passing and i got the sense that she didn't like me i was like i don't think this person likes me very much i like fair i was kind of obnoxious (laughs) but we didn't there wasn't like we weren't super tight initially uh but then after that party where she dj'd uh and then another one listening to music realized like we had all of this pretty like niche french electro shit in common oh fuck yeah. we're like oh wait this person's rad and like similar politics i was like okay excellent uh but that was coming up on the end of college when i i moved all the way out to la 
for a couple of years there. And uh, so we, we lost touch for a bit there. And I think she mentioned this too, though. We, we kind of started playing video games with a lot of college friends as a way to stay in touch because people were all over the damn place. Right. And uh, playing those games, pretty similar kind of banter to the show. I think we play off each other well, have a similarly dumbass sense of humor, uh, and just <laughs> always had fun like chatting. You know, the, the games with that stuff always mattered like, as kind of secondary it was just a good time to be able to chat with your friends like that and do something together you know right um and then at some point it came up because i know she was saying she had that mic that she wasn't using sitting right. there i had the same thing i had gotten one when i had moved to nashville uh, a couple of years before that it was just sitting on my dresser mocking me i'm like i want to record something but i don't know what the fuck to talk about oh i don't know what to do and uh we're talking about that one of those nights at some point and i was like she's like we should just try something and like see if we like it and i was like i talked about love line a lot because that had been such a big thing for me growing up as i mentioned before i just really like talking about relationship dynamic stuff oh yeah and uh she was like well, what if we just make that we could just make like a low budget love line and see if we like it and then we liked it a lot <laughs> so now it's coming up on three and a half years later uh, continuing to do the thing i think we just kind of lucked out landing on a topic too it's a pretty endless source of material you know yeah absolutely everyone's got relationships and everyone's got relationship problems all the time <laughs> unless you don't unless you have literally no relationships problems uh which makes me think demonic possession or, or something <laughs> something's not right there it's a weird relationship yeah uh as as uh, Jean-Paul Sartre said in the play No Exit, hell is other people. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so how was it like getting started with the podcast? Uh, was there like a learning curve figuring out uh, the you know the technical end, uh, figuring yeah. out how just how to do it like as a person like what how the fuck do i approach this how do i talk that sort 100%. of thing uh i had done stand-up prior to that i was doing stand-up for like a year when i was in la and for a little bit of nashville mm -hmm. and so i had at least a little bit of a sense of like performing you know right and uh coming up with with segments or, or, or stuff along that line but at the beginning uh just that that sense of recording for the first time and keeping a conversation going was definitely a little anxiety inducing like we would be drinking most episodes for like at least the first 10. oh yeah uh just to kind of t take the edge off and and, and get the flow going because turning i remember turning like the monitor on for the first time and hearing my voice being like oh this is this is uncomfortable i don't know what what to do with this or finishing the first episode and the gal is dating at the time being like you got to listen back and like see what you think and i was like i don't want to do that <laughs> and she was like come on i'm gonna put it on i won't give you a hard time uh but then pretty got got used to it pretty quickly i feel like like even that time we were listening through and like halfway through the episode i was like okay i don't sound as fucked up as i think i guess that's how my voice sounds <laughs> not inside my head okay uh that's good and uh i don't know we we usually take some time at the end of the show and we'll talk about like oh we got this guest coming up or like hey we should i got a segment idea and so we kind of just at the end of each one be like well did th this worked this didn't work let's focus more on this uh initially we we're gonna have it be a call-in show and i had fucking cobbled together this situation because we were doing the remote recording to to patch a call-in so people could call into it and that was extremely difficult yeah and we only successfully got a, a person through once and so we we're like okay this is too much of a hassle also we're so new like how frequently are people going to call into a podcast that's been around for two episodes uh, right so we switched to the question box but that and that's worked great and we kind of kind of stuck with that the biggest transition has been reddit questions where we kind of had to use at the beginning to fill up if we didn't get enough questions mm -hmm. whereas the past few months we've consistently been getting enough for the show and so that feels very fucking good i bet oh my god uh do you look 
I'm sure you do, but does it just feel good to record every week? A hundred percent. Yeah. We, uh, we've talked so many times where we'll come into an episode and one of us will be like, oh, I'm feeling like off today or we both had a shitty day. And at the end, we're like, wow, I feel substantially better. <laughs> there is definitely like a therapeuticness to talking about all this stuff. Talking about other people's problems. Like, wow, I do not envy them. <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of it for me is like, I think when you're approaching your own problem, you can get kind of overwhelmed by variables sometimes and be chasing things that are kind of irrelevant. You're too close to it. You're too, you, you can't, exactly. you don't have the right perspective. Exactly. Mm. I, but I've had moments in the show talking about like a question somebody sent in where I'm like, oh, that applies to me. I, and I just gave this advice that I have not been taking myself. Uh, how can uh. I like reframe the thing that I'm dealing with, you know, after kind of noticing the, the commonalities with this? That's pretty wild. Find a, uh, uh, you stumble upon like a oblique solution uh, to your own problem and you didn't even yeah. know it until you get there. Exactly. Which is, uh, I mean, that's, that's another part of the show for us too. It's not like we frame it this way. We're not experts. We're mm -hmm. just people who have been through some shit too, trying to find the common ground, have some solidarity with people. Uh, and so it's very much not like we're here and we have the solution, but a lot of times it's like, here's our thoughts on us. This is also helping us with our own shit. You know, that we, through talking this through about somebody else's issue, it, I think that, that, that helps with your own stuff too. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to go back to first, this question has been bugging me. What years uh, did you and Audrey go to OSU? I started in 2010. Mm -hmm. and graduated at the or left at the end of 2013 and I, was, I like finished some stuff remote for the end of it um she would have started in like 2008 then i think i think she's two or three years older than me okay i think i want because my girlfriend went to osu oh shit and she started in 06 and finished in 10 so then I wonder if they might have ever crossed paths and didn't even know it. It's possible. Interesting. I know Interesting. she was in one of the bigger dorms there. And I believe it was the dorm where Jeffrey Dahmer spent some time as well. That was always a fun fact that was, that was going around school. Jeffrey Dahmer went to school there? For like a little bit. I think for just like a year. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he was studying. I wonder what he was up to on the weekend. Jesus Christ. Uh, Ohio, home to astronauts and serial killers. And me. And you, uh, astronaut serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> These fuckers on the ISS aren't going to know what hit them, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, and then you said you did stand-up for like a year, year and a half? Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd wanted to do for some time? Weird inspiration for it. When I was living out there, a friend and his dad were going to Vegas and they were like, Hey, come out and meet us, like crash here for a couple of days. We'll go do stuff. I was like, Oh, awesome. The first night I was there, we saw David Spade of all people do stand up. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> How was he? I was kind of like, whatever it was just a show to go see. But, and this is like six years ago. I think my tastes have changed. Like, I, I can't remember too much. Like, I don't remember if it would hold up to me now, but at the time I was like, this is very solid. I, I, I just remember being very, like, impressed. And I was not expecting much out of it. Like, I had, like, a really good set. Mm. And I was like, uh, that looks fun as hell. I, yeah. I, I want to do that. It looks nerve wracking. And I was also kind of like, I, I had some anxiety around, like, public speaking and that kind of thing. And I was like, I want to throw myself into the goddamn deep end. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Fuck this yeah. will be good. Uh, and it was sometimes. Other times I just had a panic attack on stage and couldn't get any jokes out. But oh, it was yeah. all part of the part of the experience. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great, like, uh, I, I feel performance is a, a, a great sort of uh, immersion therapy for people with social anxiety. Like, get in there, have a fucking panic attack in front of people and then go to sleep and wake up and you're still alive. You didn't exactly. die. You did exactly. it. Exactly. You know? And having those experiences like that where the bad thing that you're worried about happens and oh, then yeah. taking the time to be like, hey, but 
it's a day later and I'm completely okay. Yeah. The next time you go up to do it, you can just remind yourself this isn't as, I know from experience now, this isn't as bad as I was building up. And I think it gets a little easier over time. Yeah, sort of desensitizing, but also sort of building up a kind of callous, not being callous, but, you know, tough, building up the yeah. toughness in that sense. A little, a little bit of tolerance, a little bit of like pressure mm. tolerance. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, so when you were watching David Spade, was one of the thoughts you had, uh, I could do that? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and were you doing like open mics, stuff like that? Mostly that. I did a house show once. I got to perform in front of like 200 people. I had made friends with like the booker of this open mic. And she was like, hey, there's you, you can get like five minutes on this. And I was like, there was a party too. And I wasn't expecting it. So I was very drunk. But I made people <laughs> laugh. It like went okay, all things considered. Hell yeah. Uh, but for the most part, just doing open mics, you know, a city like that, there's so many going on. Right. So each night you could kind of like hit a couple different places if you wanted to. Uh, or like several days in a row. On the weekend, sometime there's like a particular one we'd go to because it was like you could fuck it. My my buddy would come who lived nearby, film my sets, and then just kind of like hang out and chat with people. Nice. Because uh, I don't know, it was fun. We, people were really friendly. Met a lot of cool people through that. Good, uh, interesting group of people to hang out with. And you go do the thing, and then you can kind of like go out with people afterwards. It was really, really? Nice. and this was in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so people, was it like? Did you run into any really like cliquish circles or were people generally like, hey, we're all in the same boat? Like, let's talk. That, that is what I encountered. Granted, that's also like the kind of person who would not be cliquish. I think it's going to be the kind of person I'd be drawn to personality wise. Right. Uh, I also like ultimately I was only doing it for about a year. Mm. And so not enough to be getting into like paid gigs and stuff where maybe there's going to be more competition right uh, or like bigger open mics for like a, a earlier slot might be important or something i i didn't like i definitely see some people bickering like a little bit but i never personally like nobody was shitty to me i yeah. even had like i was saying that panic attack on stage i had a particular one the hollywood hotel there had like this open mic in the basement that was one of the smaller ones ah. uh but the woman who ran it had been like a professional comedian for a while i'm blanking on her name but I had this panic attack and I got off stage just like looking, shaking and she came up and she's like, come smoke a cigarette with me. Aww. And she took me outside and was like, hey, this is going to happen and that's totally okay. It's happened to me. It's happened to everybody in there. It's like, don't let that get you down. Keep going with it. And I was like, holy shit. That was like such a fucking sweet, just good hearted thing to do for somebody. Turned my whole, you know, I was about ready to like give up at that point too because I'd done a few and the anxiety was just killing me. Mm -hmm. uh, but people just tended to be really cool and supportive like that. That's great. I, I wish that had been my experience in Austin. I've heard bad stories from from other people. So I think to some degree, I got really lucky with the mic I fell in with. Uh, bad stories like in LA or in Austin? All, all over the place. I just right. hear, I hear from other standups. I, I hear some shit sometimes. <laughs> my, my experience in in texas was in austin in particular and this was also uh an issue that i had constantly uh with the acting gig um and i did get like a pretty good amount of acting work um compared to a lot of people who who, who pursue acting you know what i mean um clicks just so it's something about Austin, Texas in particular, because it's like really small and there are more people who might not have been out in the world who grew up, just happened to be in like the cool city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so I did run into a lot of walls, like um, people who did not want to be friends, who did not want to meet new people and who uh, it's a problem I ran into um when I was much younger, um, when I was just before fifth grade, I moved from New Jersey to a small town here in Oklahoma. And it took years for me to make friends there because like everyone, everyone, when I moved to the small town said, unironically, you ain't from around here. 
Oh my god. They call me the F slur, call me crazy. That's all sucks. sorts of shit. Uh, but it's that sort of the seed of that sort of mentality is something I kept running into in Austin where the, I, I don't want to like discredit like everyone there because I did make great friends there um, it, with acting stuff, with uh, stand up, which was short lived for me, open mics. Um, but particularly with the stand up, like there were a couple small groups who ruled everything all the open yeah. mics everything they were the gatekeepers and they were too fucking cool for you <laughs> that's what and i'm saying i've heard I, people I, talk about similar i rage quit uh like <laughs> yeah. almost almost a year in i was at one particular open mic and i was trying to joke that i thought was actually pretty fucking good like pretty fucking clever um and also personal, because that's just me. I'd like, you know, I want to draw on like personal self-deprecating kind of shit. Because yeah. uh, that's how I am. <laughs> um, and I was doing this self-deprecating joke. And the host of this open mic just started cackling. Uh, everyone else was just like on their phone, you know. That's but how it he, goes. <laughs> he started cackling. And I finished my two minutes or whatever. Got, got out from behind the mic he picked up the mic and started laying into me saying like what a fucking dumbass jesus this, christ like the joke was basically uh like i've got a master's degree in theater i put in a lot of hard work and i got to do a commercial for herpes medicine <laughs> and he starts laying into me saying how fucking stupid are you you're so fucking stupid you don't need to go to school to act i'm sick of all these like stand-up comedy classes blah 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 wow what a fucking moron jesus christ i i almost punched him like <laughs> i very I much imagine. wanted to knock his fucking teeth down his throat uh and then after that i was like fuck 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 this whole community i'm gonna take a break for a month and then see how i feel afterwards mm -hmm. and then pandemic started Oh no, that's frustrating too. Because like, yeah, it's a vulnerable thing to get up there. Mm -hmm. If people are gonna bomb all the time, you kind of just got to be like, all right, like next person. You can't be beating people up. It doesn't sound like you were doing that bad either. It sounds like this person just wanted to be an asshole. Yeah, and let me tell you, he was not very funny on his own anyway. So I don't know who the fuck he thinks he is, but I don't like him. Yeah, insecurity. I'd shock it up to insecurity, you know, projecting it. That comes up on the show a lot, too. And I think that is the source of so many fucking problems. Right? Something you don't like about someone else is something you don't like about yourself. And that's a hard one to figure out sometimes. It's like, uh, is that true? Like, I feel like sometimes you, if you're trying to be mindful... Uh, you can get into this weird zone, or at least I do, where it's like, I'm um, frustrated with this very specific thing, and uh -huh. I'm not sure that it's something I'm frustrated with myself about. <laughs> or am I just missing it? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting when stuff comes up like that, and it's such a, like, with a feeling like that, it's not something you just kind of put in front of yourself and, like, dissect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was talking about before with the, the sitting with the feelings when the bad stuff comes up and just taking the time to be like, how does this feel? Where in my body am I feeling it? All that kind of stuff. Oh, that's a good one. Putting I it in the body. Unjudgmentally kind of quietly sitting with it and feeling the thing. Sometimes, sometimes that clarity comes out where it's like, oh, this does trace back to like this anxious circle I've been in. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, oh no, this is coming from like this unresolved thing in another area of my life. Can I fix that or is it something i just have to kind of accept and, and move on from you know yeah so why'd you stop doing stand-up podcast actually um i stopped because like i said when i was when i was in la i had this friend who recorded the sets he lived near this venue that i was doing the most open mics at and there were a couple of other ones um and so i had a good thing going there but i was only there for 
about two years uh, was out there. Uh, the person I was seeing all through college was out there. We'd been dating distance. Mm-hmm. And so I moved out there first job out of college too. And like had all of these realizations of like, this relationship is not good. My career trajectory is not what I want. Uh, also LA is extremely expensive. And I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, I got to go somewhere else. Uh, I had, uh, some friends in Nashville. My family was about to move down there. That's kind of worked out to, to, to move there. And there were open mics and stuff there, but initially I just kind of like fell off when I got there trying to find a job and all this stuff. Right. I got back into doing it a little bit. I actually had a really, really good set the, the second time I did one down there. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Maybe I can get back into this. But then we started the podcast like a week later. And uh, even after the first episode where we were a little shaky, I was like, this is the thing. This is the thing I like doing a lot right. more than that other thing. Uh, and so just kind of fell off it. I'm somebody who needs to have some kind of project. I need to be making something in some capacity, even if it's just shit for myself. Yes. And it was kind of like when I found something that better fit that, I had less of the drive to do the stand-up. Right. However, I think a lot of that was because I was in a bad place with the anxiety at the time. And this is video stuff, computer stuff. is a lot less stressful for my kind of social anxiety. Right. Uh, but weirdly, after this you know, the full lockdown of last year and into the summer, uh, being able to get out and socialize a little bit more. I think I've worked through a lot of that. I am surprising myself with how much better it's going. Yeah. Uh, and having some, we've had like Jake Florius on our shows that there's a standup. Uh, we've had some other folks who do comedy and talking to these people and listening to their shows. I'm kind of like getting the itch again. Oh yeah. And I'm in Chicago now too, where there's a decent amount of open mics. So I am I am thinking a little bit about getting back out there and doing one. Obviously, shit's kind of in the air still right now. Things have like kind of closed here. I don't know where it's going to go. Right. Uh, but I, I kind of want to put myself to the test because that's kind of like the ultimate in social anxiety challenge. I'm standing in front of all of these fucking people. I Hell don't yeah. know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. What time are we at? You still got uh, 10 more minutes? Yeah. Right on. All right. Uh, let me consult my, my questions. I wrote down, like, I, I'm just using the questions I wrote down for Audrey, and we didn't even get to all of them, just kind of uh, followed <laughs> the river where it took us. That's how these tend to go, and I like that. Isn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, what is your... Do you listen to podcasts? Oh, Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, other than this one, thank you. <laughs> what are some of your favorites to listen to? <laughs> Big on balling out super. Fuck yeah. Are you a weeb? Guest. Are you a weeb? No. Uh, weeb. Uh, <laughs> that show has anime pilled me, and now maybe I'm becoming one. Oh, yeah. Because Audrey's always been into that stuff. I was, I, I was always far too cool for anime. And uh, I'd seen like Pokemon as a kid or whatever. But a- after finding Alex Patak through Pod Damn America and then getting mm. onto Balanot Super, that was that show was like my my go to calm. Like I'm I'm just trying to put my mind in a good spot with right. some shit that's irrelevant to me because like it's anime, but the comedy here is good. Uh, so like I was listening to a lot of that through the last winter when I was inside for so much time. And they're always make kind of jokes about like the crazy people who listen to this show who don't watch it. <laughs> That's me. But then we got to go on there. We had to watch an episode of Dragon Ball, an episode of Tenchi Muyo, which is one I hadn't heard of. Oh shit! He's yeah, a, a young boy and as many adult wives. It's very strange. I loved the shit out of that show, and uh, being in my young teens when I first saw it, I was like. This is the life. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> I need a plethora of uh, hot aliens who boss me around. <laughs> Converting to alien Mormonism. That's my... That's yeah. My <laughs> uh, but doing those, I was like, wow, there's like so much fun shit to this. And like uh, a level of self-awareness and kind of the tropes and stuff that run in the anime. It was all stuff that like I didn't know anything about. I was like, this is interesting, and I've got all this time. Maybe I'll check some of this out. Uh, the one that got me into it, though, 
start tell my friend all this stuff and he's like you got to watch mob psycho 100 you heard of that show i've heard of it but i haven't seen it it's about like a kid who's got psychic powers mm-hmm. uh but he it is like super powerful but like has no idea is really socially kind of awkward he's in like school he's just trying to kind of get by and he finds like mentorship from this dude who's like a like a spirit buster sort of guy interesting uh, who it turns out is just running a grift and has no powers but is pretending to be like this highly advanced like psychic mentoring this kid while he's just having the kid do all of the work oh my god Uh, it's very goofy and like shockingly a really like heartfelt good-hearted show uh i watched that and was like okay i get this shit now this is really cool it does a lot of things that like I don't know, aren't, aren't so common in, in, in Western media. It's just a kind of different vibe to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but touching on like a, a lot of big like emotional uh, issues and that stuff we've been talking about here and on my show, self-esteem mm. stuff and all of that, it's really well done. And it's also just very funny, like on top of that. And that's my favorite brand, sincerity and humor. I fucking love that shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> Have you seen, uh, it's a movie, Perfect Blue. I don't know that one. I cannot recommend it enough. It's a 90s anime movie and it has been ripped off of so much. Like, uh, yeah. Remember, the, did you ever see Black Swan? I know what that is, but no. Well, that movie was with like Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. That whole movie was a ripoff of Perfect Blue. And there are like scene, oh. there are scenes in uh, like Requiem for a Dream that are complete rips from this movie. It is uh, psychedelic, like it's a psychological fucking horror. Like it's about this woman who uh, this woman was a pop star and wants to get into acting, and starts having like dissociative episodes and like some just like personality disorders but she's also being stalked by one maybe two people maybe by her split self like it is such a mind fuck and uh if you like stuff that's uh, that will make you feel icky and disturbed i highly guarantee uh, i I highly recommend it (laughs) a hundred percent i wrote the name down this is an anime one too yes perfect blue it is so good i'm down to get spooked yeah uh have have something like nice and and light lined up afterwards <laughs> all right the, the fucking question though so ball and Out super is one of the one of the big ones and has, has oh, yeah. got me anime built to some extent we just went on there again it was it was very fun last week actually go check it out uh pod damn america's in there also uh well there's your problem if you you know that one at all I, I haven't heard of that one they do uh engineering disasters they're all uh on the uh, they're all left politically too into in, in kind of left analysis of the circumstances surrounding all these big ass disasters like dams failing or you know severe plane crashes like this kind of stuff yeah uh, one of them's an engineer and they'll kind of comment on like here is what went wrong like here is where the kind of forces of capitalism uh ended up with all these cut corners to get profits for the fucking investors for this thing and now like this apartment building has collapsed interesting Uh, very interesting and there's so much of that and it's another one where it's like holy shit this common thread of cutting corners to maximize profit is uh just causing so much fucking horrible shit to happen they well, also they're... have a very good sense of humor, and so it's like a, a surprisingly fun listen, even though it's a pretty heavy topic. It's called "Well, There's Your Problem." There's your problem. Nice. I will definitely listen to that stuff. And then, uh, on a very different note, Jack Cornfield. You familiar with him? No, Jack Cornfield. He's kind of a. He's a. a what would you call it? Like a. Like a buddhist teacher almost he's from the states oh i have heard of him yes lived over in vietnam for for quite a long time and yes specializes in in communicating this stuff to western audiences his podcast is fantastic it is just very good-hearted uh 
comment a lot of the topics i keep mentioning because i've been listening to this and, and through talking with my mom about this kind of stuff but a lot of topics are just like self-healing and, and forgiving yourself and moving past things and all of that kind of stuff and uh he just has this incredible calming voice very thoughtful dude like a lot of life experiences and stories I've recommended that to a lot of people throughout the past year who have been struggling with different things. He's got uh, some books too, doesn't he? I think I've I think read one of his in like books. Seventies. I think he's been around for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, but really, really brilliant guy. I. Uh, that's my go-to if I'm if I'm struggling with some stuff and I need to be reminded to take it easier on myself and like step back from shit a little bit. Right on. Very good show. Thank you so much for doing this. It's an honor. Um, do you have any? Oh, plugs. Let's get your plugs. You can find my program, Radio Free Toad Bag, at rftb.me or follow us on social media at rftbpod. I'm at rftbdono. Audrey's at RFTB Audrey. And uh, we take relationship questions and we answer them. Uh, we've got a link in our social media. You can send questions in. We'll do our best to answer it. Uh, it's a comedy program, but we give sincere advice. They really do. It's good stuff. Check it out. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, Donovan. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Good times. Thanks All again, right. man. Good talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you later. And thus concludes the interview. Thank you to my guest for being my guest, and shouts out to Donovan, who I who was my guest. Uh, it was a pleasure getting to talk to you, and thank you, dear listener, for listening. I will catch you next week. Love you. Bye.